Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing very, very well, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. I am great. I am back from break. It was a good break. I won and played a lot of Zulkin, because cool. I am a nerd. And we played we played a new game, Well, We played Kalamala. Huh. Tell me Although, about Although, wait for it. In the Belmont household, we also, for some weird reason, for some sick, sick twisted reason, uh, my mom refers to it as chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with that. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> she literally, one day, we were playing, and she looks at the box, and she's just like, you know what, for a second there, I thought it said chlamydia. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? This All right, is well. Like, this is like European exchanging and trading, and it's a yeah, it, it yeah, it's exchanging and trading, all right. <laughs> like it's not X-rated. Like where, where the heck would you? And those aren't even the right letters. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, poor mom. It's like mom, um, you know, you need to you know, maybe go to the eye doctor or something. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we just laughed about it, and then yeah. and now. We we went to a barbecue and Kalamala was there and we could have played it and oh, I was no, like no, okay, no, no. Don't, don't. don't don't refer to it as chlamydia don't do that don't do that <laughs> what not to say <laughs> well didn't have that happen in the Polk household but <laughs> <laughs> there's when no a, way to get ticket yeah. to ride confused right no, no, exactly exactly but I did win the ticket to ride last game last night. But uh, yeah, I had, I had a good break as well. Benched uh, Luke Cage. Also, finally, finally saw Deadpool too. I enjoyed it, as I told you. Enjoyed it. No, 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 no. But no, not no, as no, much as the did first. Not, one. You did not tell me like that. Yes, be honest, Will. Oh, I was going to. I was going to tell that you dropped. I, I told you that I, I, I still thought I, I liked the first one better. I, it, but I did. I did enjoy it. I, I was laughing out loud. It was a fun movie. It was a fun movie. Why do you like the first one better? Because I honestly don't get it. It's one of those things where it, I think when I saw the first one was just so, so fresh and different for this type of movie. I mean, the jokes in there, number two, were on point. It was super funny. I, I mean, I, again, I laughed out loud. Uh, I think probably me and my buddy probably annoyed the other few people who were in the theater that day because mm-hmm. we were just catching some of the jokes that they weren't, and they were probably looking. Like who are these two idiots? Like these two dudes? Like back here laughing like this? Like really? But I will say that the end credit scene. If I were to rank number two over number one, it would be because of the scene in the end credits. That would be the the trump card that would elevate it over it. But on balance, I think I, I still enjoyed it. Yeah, I I have to say I enjoyed the second one better yeah, well, because I I just I liked the jokes more and for some reason it it felt like it was a bigger universe and it wasn't mm-hmm. just Deadpool and like I can see people lean towards the first one because of it's much more intimate it's just about him and his relationship and yeah. this whole dynamic and the the um, desire to be with somebody who you feel like you can't be with. I think that's way too schmoopy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a word. <laughs> a little bit too much lovey-dovey. Yeah. But yeah, there for was some that reason, too. There was that. Yeah, but it was different because I felt like if, if you were going to make a sequel and you you spent your first one building this this foundation – and and this relationship and structuring this character's identity around this relationship, then I think it really was a smart move to then go and quote unquote destroy the relationship and then use a classic uh, comic book trope to mm-hmm. reunite that relationship. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you're welcome, Ken. So, how did you like Luke Cage? I liked it overall. It did have the same issues that it seems like all the Marvel Netflix uh, shows have with pacing. But when it, those last three episodes just rolled in a good way. Uh, and um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think uh, Luke may learn to like espresso. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't as much coffee this time. 
but uh <laughs> wow uh you know uh but I, I think Bushmaster was a very interesting villain and uh and the whole story as far as uh con as far as Miss Stokes or Miss Dillard, whichever way you want to call her. Uh, I, I was very satisfied with how that whole arc was sort of played out. Mm-hmm. I just got to say, I just really dig Shades. I don't know what it is about him, but he's just something cool about Shades. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I don't know if it's his demeanor, if it's his voice, or it's just something that I just really, for whatever reason, he just stood out to me this in, in, in season two than he did that, 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 in the first season. Yeah, and Shades is part of the reason why I don't really care for Luke Cage. Mm. I, uh, and it's, it's mainly because that actor played a role on Sons of Anarchy, and mm. it's really hard for me not to see that other character. Uh. Like, because that show went on for six seasons, mm-hmm. and I binged most of it multiple times. So it's, it's really disorienting. Like I can visually see him acting. Mm-hmm. So for me, anytime he's on screen, it takes me out of the show. Ah. Yeah. It's just one of those things. I mean, I like Mike Coulter is mm-hmm. great and mm-hmm. I've seen Mike Coulter play other parts, right. but it's not as ingrained in me. Like he's supposed to be this other character. No, now it's ingrained in me that he is Luke Cage. And what I will say, although I didn't really. I, again, I did the whole Jessica Jones thing where I skipped a lot of episodes. Yeah, see, you shouldn't have. Well, I did. I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> you, told, you told me you did. And when I was watching it, I, I, I thought to myself and I made a note to tell Sarah she needs to go back and not skip any episodes. Because even though they had their pacing issues in, in season two of Luke Cage, I, I still liked Luke. And 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 even when Danny Rand showed up, it didn't kill the show. <laughs> yeah, um, but he showed up for one episode, and it really kind of angered me because a lot of people made me believe that he was in more than one because mm-hmm. they were just raving about him. No. And I'm like, he's in one episode. Yeah, well, <laughs> but the presence of Rand is there throughout a few episodes, but Danny's in only one episode. But it didn't distract from me and, and in fact it actually helped bolster the defenders having him in there and also just the whole again getting to your point about universe mm-hmm. uh, from what you said with Deadpool it also helped cement the fact that Luke and Dan and Danny and Jessica and, and Daredevil were all in this larger universe together like the like the MCU does in the films and really shows how all these territories and, and, and all these dynamics sort of work together as far as to, you know, basically defend each sector of, of New York City. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons why Jessica Jones season two failed is because they didn't in- include any additional characters, mm-hmm. even though we had just had defenders, like that mm-hmm. was the expectation. Yeah. One of the reasons why Daredevil season two works so well for me and shame on you for not watching that season. I know, I'm going to catch up. <laughs> is because they included Elektra and mm-hmm. Punisher. Mm-hmm. Like, even though those two characters hadn't been introduced and they used season two to really feature those, to me, like, that was just perfect. And you got so much more out of those characters, especially as you got Punisher season one and Elektra appear in season, um, in the first season of The Defenders. So, mm-hmm. There, I think it is smart to use these second seasons to expand the universe, especially when you have so many toys to play with. Totally. I mean, so many, it's, it's pointless. And even though, like, I'm going to get back to my point, even though I did skip a few episodes and I know shame on me, I will say I do find it really interesting where Luke Cage ended up at the end of the season. And I think that parallel alone does makes it deserving of a third season. Yes, yes, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So that like character journey, I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. 
some of the side characters I could have done without. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still like mourning the loss of Cottonmouth. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he my favorite character so soon, and I'm just like, none of these others are as good. I'm yeah, sorry. That's true. I, I watched a little bit of the first season uh, prior to watching season two when I when I finished over over my summer break, and uh, yeah, it, it you're right. Cottonmouth is so is such a just dynamic. And I, I, like, back to season two, I didn't really understand the whole Claire and Luke thing. I'm just like, they were hot and heavy, and then cold. Very cold. (laughs) Very cold. Like, yeah, like, North Pole cold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Too under there. Well, I was going to say, like, she was on the other side of the wall, and Game of Thrones fans will know what I'm talking about when I say that. Uh, like okay. winter came. <laughs> oh no! Well, yeah. we we did a pretty good job. Not spoil too many things about Luke Cage. Yeah, we did. Two. Yeah, we did. People, feel free to tell Will if he's right or wrong about Deadpool two and Luke Cage season two, and just tell me if I'm right. Yeah, well, <laughs> everyone, you know I'm right about her skipping episodes. She should have. She should have. Shouldn't have. Really understand Jessica Jones because. As what we had mentioned, but we shall we shall move on to uh, other Marvel things. This is a, it turned out to be a full Marvel show. Full Marvel, yes. Because DCEU, <laughs> it's kind of unclear. Yeah, <laughs> what we can and what we cannot talk about. Yeah, who knows at this point? Uh, uh, whatever the DCEU decides to do, whatever. Uh, I'm just happy with our DC TV, and uh, it looks like the DC Universe app that's coming out will have some pretty dope content with uh, Titans. But uh, I, I want to talk some Marvel. We haven't talked Cloak and Dagger for a bit, so I'm like, yeah, and it's and I watch every episode, Will, I do multiple times. <laughs> it's you know, well, every time you have to. There's so much going on in a good way yeah. that you have to yeah. watch it a couple times. Yeah, so so we skipped a week, um, not of watching the show, of talking about the show. So we're going to cover two episodes tonight. Um, the first one being the Princeton Offense, Episode 5, Season 1. <sighs> I, I didn't really care for this episode, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a an interesting stretch episode where it feels much more like a bridge of the season plot lines. I agree, and in Princeton offense, it, it, it's almost to to play on the confer the basketball analogy or whatever. It was like the Princeton offense, and that was very slow and prodding of an episode. Um, yeah, not to say that it was I didn't like it. It wasn't it was a bad episode. It was just, yeah, you're right. It was just a very bridge episode between what we built up to this point and really setting the stage for the, the last five episodes of, of season one. Yeah. And hopefully season and, two. And really at the end of this episode, it just reminded me again of why I am so drawn to this show because there, there is still no big bad. Like you can say Roxanne as an organization is a big bad, mm-hmm. but we're used to covering comic book shows where there's a baddie every episode mm-hmm. and there's an overarching storyline that runs throughout the entire season. That's not the case with this show. And they continue to prove that with how they're using these characters and the parallels they're able to draw. Like part of the reason, one of the better parts of this episode was was how they showed Tyrone struggling to to stay literally on the court yeah. while playing this game because he's constantly drawn to Tandy and he even says it in the episode like you're using you're at this charity gala trying to get insider information about Roxxon using your powers. Mm-hmm. And I keep jumping to this gala, like, every time. So, obviously, there's some kind of 
some kind of pool um, right. where they can't use their powers without the without the other one kind of not being able to or being able to a bit too much. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's this truly is that duality of the, the yin and the yang of it's of their powers. And go back to one thing you said earlier about lack of the big bad. I think one of this one of the, the strengths of this show has been how it has laid out a, a, a real tapestry of, of New Orleans itself. And yes. it's and, and and how everyone and everything is interconnected. So if there were a, a quote unquote fatty, I guess probably the closest thing would be other as far as obviously Rock's on being one and this uh the Scarborough character possibly being one of the shadowy figures who is one of the potential evil people that were in the traditional sense of a baddie. And then also you have Detective, you know, Connors. Oh, absolutely. As the other, and again, his realm of, you know, controlling, basically it seems that he has in some way controlled the drug world, drug world in New Orleans through, it seems like he wiped out a lot of the drug lords and, but at the same time, he's managing it because we see you know, the fast forward a little bit to episode six, how he, uh, and actually even in five with, uh, Dwayne, um, how he manages it with, okay, I'm going to let you guys run your little street game, but at the end of the day, I can like end this at any moment that I wanted to. Uh, yeah. And we, we've been talking about how this episode really was just a setup introduction for Dwayne as a character mm -hmm. and a callback to the, the night of the big storm, his brother dying and Tyrone, after having that experience with his father, decides to kind of suddenly is like reminded of not reminded, but is drawn back to those friends that his brother used to have. And he, he looked to, up to as like a group, as a bunch of big older brothers in a way. And so he goes back and gets into touch with Dwayne. And then at the end of the episode, it's revealed that this, this guy who he for a moment looked up to and is like, well, he made his life for like, he went on. And from that night and made his life into to being in a better place. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out he saw um, Tyrone's brother getting shot by Detective Connors. So he has leverage over Connors just as much as Connors has leverage over Dwayne. Yeah. Which is a really interesting kind of like. Even these people who Tandy and Tyrone believe to be friends have some some odd connections to these tragedies that both of them experienced that night. Mm -hmm. um, and guys, all I will say is continue to watch Tyrone's mom. She's always on the phone. Yes, yes. And I, yeah, there's something there as far as some connection between her and Roxanne. And also, I think there was also, you know, something going on with his father, too, as far as some secret. Because when you think back to episode four, where, yeah, where they went back into their old neighborhood, his father's old neighborhood, and you had the whole spy boy. Mm -hmm. And you had the members of that community basically like, what the hell are you doing back here? Whenever. Right. And. So there's 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 something deeper going on there. I don't know if it has anything to do with Billy's death, but or something that his father did that has that will have some connection to Roxanne later. I, mean, I think there is some kind of connection between his mother. I guess she's some type of political consultant. It seems mm -hmm. clearly. I don't know if Scarborough is running for something or or some other people who are tied with with Roxanne. Or in gate involved with uh, some of the things she's doing, but we got to keep an eye on that because many times when when Tyrone comes home, his mother, whenever he's experienced something or, her, or has some new revelation about his powers or about Tandy or something in the community, it's always his mother's always kind of in the background talking about stuff 
And I think right. there's some things there that are connected and, and we're going to, and I think we are getting some of those additional connections as we see in, the, in episode six. Right. Um, and to go back to your point, well, about New Orleans, like, I feel like the creators are purposely, to, because the characters don't originally come from New Orleans, mm-hmm. they've really made it a point as trying to make sure the viewers understand why this setting makes so much sense for these characters, mm-hmm. because it is a, this this area of rebirth and yep. survival mm-hmm. and just history and future colliding. And I think it's so fascinating how much the just that location is really inspiring the storytelling that we're yeah. receiving and kind of fleshing out these characters and the way they interact or don't interact. Like that's another thing. Like mm-hmm. they just continue to not have Tyrone and Tandy interact, which makes when they do share a scene or two that much more important and yeah. profound. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're, they are as much as they are on, are on a share journey. They're really on their own missions right now. Yeah, they are. They are. And, and when those missions collide, like when Tandy, Yanks him to the, to the, you know, the gala where mm-hmm. she is, uh, posing as a call girl, learn more secrets. One, it, it shows how she is getting more confident in her powers, but also getting a little cocky in, in how she uses it too, which we, which we see come to fruition in subsequent episodes. But also as far as why Tyrone, uh, is reluctant to, to fully, I don't know if he's reluctant to fully Man, to try to try to do it, or he just has a block as far as how to tap into it, and is it you know related to something with you know that feeling loss of Philly, or, or what's causing this this block that Tyrone's been having as far as using his powers? But um, I think it's also really shows the difference in their personalities and character as well. Right. Uh, where, you know, Tandy is, has had to scrape them and you know, has the very un- unstable you know, relationship at home. So she's always been a survivor. So she's going to do things to like, you know, basically, you know, achieve her end. Whereas Tyrone, yes, he had the tragic loss of his brother, but it seems that his parents and his home, his life has been very sheltered despite that tragedy and, and very controlled as far as what he can and can't do because, you know, we've had scenes where his parents are like, you know, what are you doing up late at night? Or is that, why are you having bolt cutters? You know, there's always people checking in on him and making sure he's, you know, he's staying on the straight and narrow. So he doesn't mm-hmm. end up like Billy. Um, and sort of, and also it gets into the whole class thing too, because, you know, he does have the nice sheltered life and upper middle, you know, middle class New Orleans, whereas Tandy is literally one step Practically homeless. Right. I I always thought it had more to do, or at least when, when you were talking about it, it kind of made me think about how Tyrone very much is a character who, due to what happened to his brother and then his parents', his parents response to that, kind of building that structured life, makes him feel... Like he has to be in control of everything. Yes. And so that often causes more fear of mm-hmm. anything spontaneous, anything yes. that That's is foreign or different. Yes. And Tandy is the exact opposite where she's just great at improvisation mm-hmm. and starting to make connections and being like, I'm going to take this big risk and I'm going to jump off this bridge, weight myself down. And if I don't come up, then that's fine with me, but I need to figure this out one way or another. And I'm willing to take the risk that Tyrone isn't. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's a very good point. And, um, you know, and we, we've seen that throughout the series and is getting even more so, uh, in this episode. Right. And this episode also did include some other name drops. They did a lot of like little Easter eggs there. 
Uh, it kicks off with a uh, rock song commercial that includes the profile of the storm survivor or a oil rig blowing up survivor, Loden Swift, who is the blue streak in the MCU. And we also are introduced sort of through um, to both Ivan and Nina Hess mm-hmm. through a little bit of a, a Tandy Hope dream. I don't know how to describe what they do. Like, it's really bizarre. Like, what do you describe? It's like a hope vision. It's like a vision, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, yeah, a vision or, oh, or, or it could be, well, I think with Tandy, with Dagger, it's, it's like a hope vision. Whereas with Cloak, it, he sees what's going on in people's lives. Like, for example, when he was playing a basketball game and when he, and he was able to, you know, when he touched some of the players, saw some of the traumatic things they had they're experiencing at home. Sometimes it may be literal. Sometimes it may be figurative, but it's whatever dark thing they're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's an interesting idea like you would never you wouldn't really think first like well if somebody was able to see somebody's somebody's fears Mm -hmm. they can manipulate that or respond to that individual in a way that either allows that fear to actually become reality or protect them from that fear and and the hope thing is more about like understanding people's real motives yeah yeah so it's it, again, I mean, despite the this episode probably for me at least being weaker than the others, there's still so much to talk about, obviously. There is, there is. And like I said, it for me, I didn't think it was a bad episode. It was just more the pacing and it was just a lot going on in just one episode. That could yeah. easily have been broken up into a couple episodes. Right. And then this week, uh, or last week, I should say, I don't know. Um, then we also have Fun House Mirrors, Episode 6. We're getting back into the voodoo, the prophecy. Yeah. So what what is your, like, big takeaways from this episode, then? Oh, so this episode, a couple things. One, Princeton offense was very dark as far as the cinematography and settings and stuff. This one was more light. I mean, even though Tandy and, at least from the setting standpoint, uh, Tandy was, even though she was you know, swamp mucking with uh, Nina, it, it was very light, open, out, outdoors with Auntie Chantil and Azita. It was, I, I'm hoping that Auntie Chantil doesn't fall into the magic black person syndrome. <laughs> 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 because so far that's, all we've seen her as is as it, it you know set up this way. That's probably like the one only major maybe one of the few flaws this show's had so far. Um, and hopefully they will will you know get her out of her house and her tarot cards. <laughs> you you know what kind of like character type she reminds me of, or where I more lean to is that stick character type, mm. like the the older person, the older wiser individual who knows more. Yeah. Than the actual heroes themselves. Yes, yeah, that's true. That's fair. Uh, yeah, she does. She does. Uh, but I like her character. I mean, but it's just, I just hope that we can learn more about her because, you know, again, we've had this great tapestry of New Orleans. We've been introduced to all these different characters and stuff, and and and, and clearly, all these people know one another in some form or fashion, or has some connection to each other in some form or fashion. So I'm hoping her connections are beyond just her interactions with Tyrone through Odita. I'm hoping that maybe maybe she has some connections with Tyrone's parents or something, or, or who knows, or or, or Roxanne, something. I, I liked the, the I liked the energy in this episode much more. I felt like it was really the last episode was a lot of setup. This one to me felt we're starting to get some answers on the back end of the season. Mm-hmm. As far as answering what is going on, we get introduced to, to further introduce Ivan Hess beyond just the you know the, the hard hat that was 
discovered in, in Tandy's vision. Yeah, but it's it it's crazy what they did yeah. because even though we're literally introduced to Ivan Hess, he, there is something wrong. And and again, they don't go out and tell you exactly what happened to him. Um, because even though we got feel like we understand more about his relationship with Nathan Bowen, mm-hmm. uh, we still didn't get clarity on, well, where was he when the rig exploded? Why is he now where he is now? And mm-hmm. what is wrong with him? And I think it was very interesting how that all went down where Tandy Tandy does this con, mm-hmm. but in the but really Nina knows who yeah. she is. And that's where I was touching on where the cockiness and 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 now and somewhat sloppiness. Whereas Tyrone, yeah. you know, you were mentioning how Tyrone's very very under control, mm-hmm. and, and 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 Tandy's not, and because of her lack of control and saying too daggone much, she basically tipped her hand. The, the deeper they went into that in, into the swamp, the the more Mina was able to Mina was able to put things together and realize that this is this is Nathan Bowen's daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. And, I mean, uh, you you even knew that halfway you, through. And you knew it, like, yeah, you knew it was coming. And then <laughs> and 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 but but I like the way they set it up because for one moment, Tandy did decide whenever they when they, when they were standing there together and. Tandy had the opportunity, you know, she reached, she was going to reach out and touch her to see what she could find via her visions. Right. She held back. Yeah. And then when she went back to Nina and confronted her one last time, she admitted, which I think was also to back up that decision that she made to not do work her magic, so to speak, mm-hmm. was that the truth never occurred to her. Like, it yep. never occurred to her that somebody also may have been wronged and mm-hmm. would also like the same justice that she's seeking for her own father. Exactly. Exactly. Like, so, so interesting. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was a great bit of storytelling there. I'm glad they executed it that way because the lazy, yeah, yeah the lazy route. And, and I, I think that's one of the strong things I think just taking it over overall with the series. I'm liking how, yes, these people have powers, but and they use them, you know, they don't, they're not, you know, it's not your stereotypical superhero quote show. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the powers are very understated. They're used, but I, I like the way they're very judicious in how they use the powers throughout the episodes. And they're not the focus, the story's the focus. And that they, these people just happen to have superpowers and not uh, the superpowers driving the story. Oh, absolutely. Very well said. Very well said. But, okay, now she did use the powers, though, on Ivan Hess. And this yeah. is really where I'm just like, yep, we're back in the game, people. Yep. <laughs> oh, like, that vault or door, whatever you want to call it, underwater. Mm-hmm. And I like how the sound design, again, like, hats off, guys, how you see him in present day humming along and that carries through the hope vision. Very, very haunting mm-hmm. kind of like, even though it's light and it's clear, you're still like, that's very kind of, it's almost like the psycho noise of ee, 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 yep. <laughs> like in a weird way, yep. like just this man, old man humming and you see the door and you see some dark matter mm-hmm. or some, darkness that very much is like Tyrone's cloak. cloak yep. <sighs> Which leads me to my my idea about why that is. Okay, drop it. I really do think this. Okay. I think it is the dark force dimension which is a pocket dimension that Tyrone's powers are linked to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what Rothson is drilling for, like to tap in this new, into this new energy force. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole explosion erupted and caused both Tandy and Tyrone to receive both what they did and what they didn't in a way. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I think by the end of the season, that door will be unlocked 
And I think it's no coincidence that right at that time, Ivan Hess will come out of whatever he cur- whatever mental state he currently is in. We might, yeah, we might get that next episode. Oh, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> not, not just maybe. Well, maybe they will tap into why Ivan has this, this catatonic state, and they're figuring out how to to use their powers together. Because up until this point, they've always repelled one another. And I, you, you made a good point when they did or didn't get. Why mm-hmm. is it? Why is there this imbalance? And it clearly has something to do as we. Uh, learn in this episode it rocks on ulterior motives and, and, and digging and drilling in, in, the, in the Gulf of Mexico. It's not just for, obviously, they're trying to find a substance that you know, burns what, ten, 10 times hotter than oil. <laughs> so, right. Um, so there, there is something there that they have discovered. And, and, and I wonder, you know, I wonder, with this, with the misplacement of the rig, I mean, it could have just been another example of some of the cutting corners and the things that Nathan Bowen and and potentially Hess were trying to work together to prevent Roxanne from doing to prevent any more accident, prevent accidents, which clearly one did happen, right? Um, or is it just, or did they? Was it an intentional thing where they intentionally went 10 meters away because this is a sweet spot for some of this substance that they're trying to, trying to get. So clearly, I mean, everything in this series so far is deliberate. It's, it's not just poor storytelling or just happenstance. There's a reason mm-hmm. why they didn't put the drill where it was supposed to be. Right. The the valve of me. Yep. Yeah. And, and I mean, it also, like, I feel like by the end of the season, we're going to know what really, what happened, what happened on the rig and to launch season two, hopefully it gets to season two. I think it will. I'm pretty sure it will. That, that event will be more about like, hey, you guys weren't the only one affected. (laughs) So (laughs) were these other people. And then we have what we refer to on the flash as the particle accelerator explosion. (laughs) (laughs) There's potential there. I mean, I like how right now we're focused on these two characters who are really intertwined into that, the, who both have different stories of that night. Mm-hmm. But are it's so interwoven and interconnected that it's really interesting to watch these revelations kind of bounce off of one another. Mm-hmm. And talking about that, I want to go back to something that Auntie Chantel says. Yes. And this is even in the trailer for the series. She says, it's the same for all the others. One will live and one will die. Mm-hmm. If this show is looking for a big twist to do, I want to verge out on a very strange leap and say that I think the night the rig exploded, one did live and one did die. And that's why their powers are so interconnected, because the only way they both can survive is the energy that they feed off of one another. And I actually think that Tandy may have died in that car. But Tyrone saved her because Tyrone needs Tandy's light. Yes, I think. Boom. You got it. I, I, I can't add anything more. I mean, you, you know it. You completely know it. Watch, they don't do that at all. No, <laughs> no, but it makes it makes complete it makes complete sense what you said, and I think some I think your theory is completely on point and it may not manifest itself exactly like how you said it, but I think you're right in the sense that I think you're, I think you are, I think you are onto something about Tandy dying in the car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it was that cloak. Cause again, we've seen that cloak one, he saved her that night. And then of course they had a literal cloak of her taking his hoodie. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, and she's kept that cloak for all these years, eight years after this incident. Right. And then we saw, we saw him 
with the cloak in the vision of, uh, I think, two episodes ago, where she was in the box. She saw her father being tortured and very dark visions in the in the swamp and stuff. And again, Tyrone's cloak embraced her. Right. And so, yeah, I think you're. I think you're on it. I mean, I think there is that. You know, basically, they do need one another, and his, and his cloak is always there to protect her. And her light is always there to help him see the big, the bigger picture or the grander thing that he, that he's all where he's always dark and this very tunnel vision on maybe you know Billy or, or whatever it is. But her light is the one that you know again opens his eyes to other alternatives because you know for example, each time Tyrone always says I can't do X Y or Z, but Tammy's like no, you've got to change the game. Like for example, right. in this episode, he's like. Whenever it was trying to get it, you know, infiltrate with Dwayne's game, he's always negative. He's like, I can't do it. I can't do X. I can't do it. And she's like, No, you gotta like figure out a way to make yourself a part of it. And so, you know, he notices the guy with the red bag, and he's and he seizes that opportunity to get closer to Dwayne as far as his underworld activities. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and, and we've seen it in previous episodes, too, where he's like, I can't do it. Like, when he went to the police station, mm-hmm. failed. But, again, she helps him figure out a way to do that. So, yeah, they, they are very interconnected. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I know I originally said Tandy was dead. But it could also, like, I just, I want it to do with what happened that night. Mm-hmm. Like, I really would rather than, like, the season finale have this big epics showdown and, one dies and one lives and then, oh, wait, they're connected, so they can't. They need each other. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to go back to that night. And I will point out that there is a song playing in the pilot episode when they're both in the water. And it literally says, dead in the water. <laughs> I know that song because that's an Ellie Golding song that mm-hmm. I used to listen to all the time. So... I can also see Tyrone having died that night, but because of his powers, he he finds himself reaching out to pull Tandy, who's that light that he needs to survive. Mm-hmm. And and which to go back to Ivan Hess and this whole image of a of a door to a vault or to the rig and and Ty, it's Tyrone's darkness that is kind of being kept out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like he's trapped in there. Like, if yeah. she were to get that door open, would Tyrone all of a sudden have control of his powers? And would that, like, unlock the this darkness and this fear that he's holding inside? Yeah, it could. It could. And, and also unlock their, their deeper relationship. Right. Because right. up until this point, they still... Tyrone is all about Abita. <laughs> yep. And yep. Tandy is, I don't know, yeah, they really, you know, they haven't really touched, they haven't had the interactions where they could really build a, a, a traditional romantic relationship. It's always been, whenever they've had their moments together, it's more discovering things about the powers or things about each other uh, or their own internal journeys. It hasn't been their journey gathered to date. But Absolutely. It's, but it's building and, to that point. Yes, yes. I mean, for example, in this episode, we get a lot of Detective O'Reilly and Detective Connor's time mm-hmm. and Dwayne. And at the end of the episode, D- Detective O'Reilly or O'Connor's sets up Dwayne to kill Detective O'Reilly and mm-hmm. kind of remove this this person who could be a threat to the the agreement that they have. Mm-hmm. Well, turns out Riley kicks ass. Um, actually, I think this is going to have a profound effect on her and I'm yeah. curious to see what happens, but she ends up killing Dwayne. Yep. And which leads Tyrone to kind of make himself known as being, having been a witness to this yep. and detective O'Connor's runs after him and, what they did with Tyrone's powers, I thought that was a really great moment with him jumping and coming back and jumping and coming back. And then finally he disappears. And where does he end up? At the the church. church. Tandy's hideout. And I 
I love how she she tries to go to him and tries to be this person who there she's feeling this connection with, but she can't comfort him. Mm-hmm. Damn, yeah, like yeah, somebody was, who's in so much pain. Yeah, yeah, that was just a hard moment. I mean, it was a strong moment as far as storytelling, but yeah, your heart just like just goes out to Tyrone because again, you know, just when he thinks he's gone. Finally break through and, and be able to get justice for his brother. And it's just snatched away. And yeah, yeah that, just everything in that moment was just, and, and, and it's how inconsolable he is. And she can't because there, there's still that barrier that's causing them to, they, they can't physically connect. This same barrier that prevents her from unlocking the door in Ivan Hess's Hess's dream mm-hmm. or vision. And the same barrier that may have prevented her from helping her dad mm-hmm. when we see Tyrone experience her greatest fear. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, yeah. Oh, wow. man. <laughs> that was a lot, guys. Yeah. But I think w- we made some breakthroughs. We did. I think so. Sorry for spoiling the rest of the season. <laughs> 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 I'm just now I'm just gonna watch it. I'm like, am I right? Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> you're like locked in for these next four just to see if your theory is proven correct. But I, I think I think you're on to something. Oh, I think we're on to something. Yeah, we're on to something. All right, so we got super dark and super light and deep in that discussion. Let's go on to the showdown yes. to talk some fun and games. So, how how much have you been um, keeping up with the showdown? Because some stuff has happened. There's some stuff happening. So, I saw on, I think either in the showdown Facebook group or maybe on Twitter, but uh, and I finally did see the, the episode where this all happened. I saw where Mike Kalinowski that the takeover, uh, and yeah, basically seems like he has something over uh, over that. What I don't know, but yeah, he's 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 flex. Kalinowski's flexing the, uh, the schmuscles. So, okay, Mike Kalinowski. They last season in December when the season ended, him and Brianne Chandler had an interesting moment where it was it appeared that they were teaming up. Well, Brianne Chandler won the free for all. And during after she won it, she made Thad sign a contract to just legitimize her claim to this championship match. And and she added a clause in it that said that if the Patreon gets a certain number of subscribers, then um, Tom Dag- Finstock gets to be the the general manager for one week. Hmm. And I don't know why that would scare Thad, but I wonder if there's something else in that contract. And Brianne and Mike are always seen kind of as as questionable if they're all on good terms or if they're all on bad terms, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if she has something to do with whatever he's holding over Thad's head. That could be it. I mean, because what else? I mean, I was trying to think what other things could Kalinowski have over him that he was just, just came running out of his office like panicked where they just, few moments before he was having a conversation and he was, you know, he's like, no, we're not, we're not going to do this. And then he completely, yeah. completely like turned 180. So yeah, that was just a very, yeah, yeah that was just a very interesting moment. Yeah, like, it's also not just dad's like reasons or reasons behind his responses, but why does Mike care so much about intergeekdom and the star Wars division? I mean, he doesn't even play in the star Wars division. So why does he care? Why is he trying to make a play since Whitworth's gone? Uh, Whit, okay, Whitworth may be gone, but that man's going to come back because he deserves that belt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> okay? 
<laughs> I don't care, but but still, I mean, he is also he made this whole big inner geekdom um, division kind of um, what am I thinking playoffs mm-hmm. in a way, and and now he's changing matches and he's really afraid of Rachel Cushing. Yeah, really afraid of her. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Other things that have happened. Uh, Will, is the four horsemen have changed. Mm-hmm. We have a new set of four. We have Mr. Dan Merle, who was previously retired, but right. now is back. back. We have Mr. Mark Riley, previously retired, now is back. And then we have the original mm-hmm. horsemen, Mr. John Roca and Matt Nost. Mm-hmm. Okay, this Riley and Merle thing, do you think they are likely to team up and be a tag team. It seems to be trending that way. Okay. They're too good. Yeah. <laughs> you need well, a weak link. Well, they can always have the, if they want a weak link, they can always use the uh, people I was ranting about to you earlier during the pre-show. <laughs> <We're all today. laughs> the fun else. No yeah. <laughs> and and then like another weird thing about this is Merle was fresh out of retirement. Mm-hmm. He he's one of like if not like one of the best if not the best at this game. And his first match really is going to be against Andrew Guy, who I adore. I think he's great on this show and is brings great energy even though he's a complete ass. Sorry for my language, uh-huh. but he is. I just, he's he's not, like, put Dan Merle against Ben Bateman. That I can believe. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, why Andrew? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, cause it, it, well, I guess I guess to play up the drama element, I mean, Bateman's pretty much a pretty ass, too, but. But, but Bateman knows his stuff. Like, he's yeah. that kind of person who you're, you kind of hate because you're like, he can back it all up. Yeah, he is. Which he did. Which he did. I with mean, fans. Yeah, he did, like, that was a hell of a match. If you haven't seen this pre- previous week's uh, showdown, that was, that, that was, I had watched a few others to get caught up, and then I'm so glad that I did, that I, I waited to watch this one last mm-hmm. because it, Best ones I've seen ever. Yeah. yeah. It came down to the last question. You you knew it could go either way. The the players they they got their strengths, and it, it felt like this is this is a classic match. And I think much like the rivalry between Mance and Mance and Roca, mm-hmm. there will be a Bateman versus Mance two and potentially three because part of the stipulations was that if Bateman won, his face would be on the movie release date slice on the wheel. Oh, like, like what could set a competitor off more? more? Like not only did he lose it, but he also lost the slice. Yeah. Yeah, He lost the slice. I mean, during the post game, he was kind of trying to be kind of zen about it. But you could tell he was—he was not happy. Hey, who no. would be? Who would be? No. I mean, you lost—you lost your—you lost your slice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a belt, but it's pretty much a belt. It's a belt. <laughs> you are, yeah. Every, you know, we, you're every week. You're are there you know, yeah. as a category, as yeah. a master of a category. I don't. Yeah, it's. I, I'm just, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to that rematch between these two. Who knows what's going to end up on the movie release date slice in the future. <laughs> um, I'm surprised more competitors haven't really tried to get their face on a certain slice on that wheel. But but it's um, it's doing good so far. Yeah, I, it is. I mean, I'm excited to see what happens at Collision. Friday. I'm looking for that team match, that yeah. tag team, Patriots versus, um, oh crap, they're they're the champions and I can't remember their name. Oh, um, it's a really weird name. Oh, um, 
I want to say on top, but it's above the line. It's above the line. Above the line. Above the line. Sorry. I just, I I know their faces. Yeah. Uh, But but that and the fact that that's an Iron Man match. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's going to be good. It's definitely going to be a strong collision. Totally. All all the matches, because you have above the line against the Patriots. You have. Murrow versus Sky, you have Cushing versus Zipper in the Inner Geekdom tournament match. And then in Star Wars. Who do you think's gonna win Star Wars? Do you think Damon or Green? I don't I don't even know who's gonna play. Who's playing? Um we get some well we have in the first round the Star Wars championships match is Damon and Green. I haven't watched those two. I, I'm not familiar with the, those two guys. As far yeah. as Star Wars. So I can't I can't help you there. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I mean Star Wars matches are few and far between. Mm-hmm. I I believe Damon is the competitor who won the bid to um the first contender slot, so I would put my money on him. But I don't like I said, I don't I don't know this league very well. Now, so they, um, to go back to Bateman and Mance, mm-hmm. during the end post interviews, Bateman and Roka had yeah. a little they got into it. chat. They yeah. had a chatty chat chat. Yeah. Um, oh. great entertainment. And I guess they're gonna compete next. It sounds like it. I guess this just depends on, I guess, where, how they schedule it. But, uh, that, that should be a fun match. I mean, it goes, I mean, Bateman basically proved that you know, even though he's part of the, uh, you know, part of the team up, uh, he knows his stuff. And right. he really got to, I mean, it could, you know, it was one of those things we talked about before. Some weeks it's just, you just get on a roll and you just get the right group of questions and, and, and you can pull it off. Or, well, I mean, but that was pretty daggone impressive. That last question where, Finishing out the big, the top, the, the big five and the Oscars. I mean, I was, I was trying to, I was like racking my brain trying to figure out like, <laughs> now which films were it? Was it? Cause there's only been three. Yeah. Yeah. And you had to get two. So, <laughs> uh, you know, granted, I know he kind of plays up the, 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 uh, the tension or whatever, but, uh, yeah, we got to get man that props to come up with that. What's yeah. the, do you know the do you know the third? So a part of me wants to say as good as it gets because I know both Helen and Jack won mm-hmm. for the leads and it won best picture I believe. Okay, I found it. Okay. It is actually the the first one, the one that Ben did not name was the first one to do it. It was it happened one night in 1934. Ah, wow. It happened one night. Okay. Yeah, because when I, whenever I was I was racking my brain out, I was like, it's almost the win. Get it? But I didn't think it, like, swept all the categories. Yeah, yeah. So it happened in 1934, and then again in 1975, and the last time was Silence of the Lambs in 1991. 1991, yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Very crazy, very crazy. But, yeah, I mean, the shows, uh, thank you for turning me on to this I mean, it's, uh, I've really been really enjoying the movie Trivia Showdown. Yeah, it's, it's a fun little treat, and some weeks it's not great. Some weeks yeah. you can miss, and, but other weeks when they get into these competitions or the playoffs and leading up to bigger matches, yeah. and you got some other the season competitors that you're like, yeah, this is, this is good stuff. Yeah, it is. I will just give you a tip for this week. Uh, just skip Funhouse and uh, almost <laughs> and whatever it was uh, almost funny or whatever the hell they I can't even remember the name, but just go right to the Bateman Months match. Yep. yep, yep. I I would agree with that. Um, and if you watch both matches, feel free to find Will on Twitter. And Will, why don't you tell them where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will and Polk. That's W I L L M P O L K. 
And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. You can also follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd, friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on both on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Good night. Geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>